0: we'll hand select the best nuggets to share with you in this short form. The lessons of the Cutco Vector Experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real world concepts for business and life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's flashback. Today, we are flashing back to episode number 102 with leadership and performance coach, Andrew Biggs. Andrew is the founder of Better Than Rich, where his mission is to change lives for the better by providing valuable tools and ideas for leaders throughout the world. In today's snippet, Andrew covers the four pillars of Better Than Rich. This framework provides a great outline for a powerful discussion with others in your life. I would encourage you to listen to and discuss these four pillars with friends, family, or your team at work. At Vector Marketing, We truly consider ourselves to be in the people development business. Selling Cutco knives is just the vehicle that provides us this opportunity, but we go way beyond just teaching people how to sell knives and into teaching people about concepts like what Andrew Biggs shares today. Please help spread the philosophies and strategies of Cutco Vector by sharing this and other episodes of this podcast with people in your network. The podcast is available for free on just about all podcast players. All episodes, guest bios, and show notes can also be found at changinglivespodcast.com. And you can support our podcast sponsors by clicking on the link marked Deals on the podcast homepage. Enjoy this flashback segment with Andrew Biggs. And if you want to hear more, you can revisit our full conversation at episode number 102.
1: With Better Than Rich, you've got these four pillars that you teach. You call it the four phase process that you take people through. And I'd like to be able to get some time today to discuss these four things. And so maybe you can pick up by speaking about what is the first phase in your process, and we'll go through the four.
2: Cool. Yeah. So phase one in our four phase process is to discover your purpose. And so I really looked at this just again to give a frame around this. I looked at it and said, if we're going to call ourselves better than rich, we better have some good content and some good curriculum to kind of back that up, And then I had to reverse engineer and say, "Well, what does a better-than-rich life really consist of?" And so the first thing I really felt like had to be the underpinning of a better-than-rich life is a purpose. And so phase one is to discover your purpose, and it's all about understanding why are you here? You know Why are you on this planet? And ultimately finding meaning in your life and in your work. These days, it can be tougher and tougher to find meaning in what we're trying to do. And sometimes we feel disconnected and alienated by life. And, and you know, I think that asking this existential question, if you will, this spiritual question at the start is really an important one so that you have something at the bottom of why you're doing what you're doing. Because unless you have a really, really good reason, and you find some meaningful, deep, deep, meaningful reason to do what you're doing you're always going to burn out. You're always going to find a roadblock that you can't overcome because you don't have a deep enough reason to overcome it. And so yeah, finding your why and your purpose is phase one. And that's where we really get into who are you? And what are your strengths? What are your values? What are you here to do? And ultimately, you know, then what we try to do is cohere that around an identity that really is congruent with what you're trying to accomplish in the world.
1: So, does it start with a, a assessment of one's strengths and superpowers, and also, you know, their their most important values or philosophies or things they're committed to in their life?
2: Absolutely. So, it does have a combination of kind of the scientific method of personality, taking a look at someone's personality assessments. We use a, a model called the Ocean Model or the the Big Five Trait Model. I know you guys use CVI, but it's fairly similar right you use some sort of a of personality assessment and then you combine that with a, a lot of personal deep inquiry you and i both know john Berghoff and have gone through some of his training in, in appreciative inquiry and so we use a lot of reflective questions you know questions like what could you spend the rest of your life doing or what's the secret dream of your heart and just reflecting on some of these these questions that don't get asked very often you know quite frankly because they aren't super practical at least not at first glance but it's really important to when you do have the time uh, to reflect on them, to answer them. So we ask a lot of those deep questions. And then we try to triangulate through you know, the personality side, what are your values? And then also the gift side, what are your strengths? And also what you're passionate about, what are your dreams? Try to triangulate, okay, your purpose is somewhere in there in the middle of that. And, and we try to pull that out of you.
1: Mm, that sounds like a really interesting process, Andrew. Of course, I like the personality models and, and being able to to uh, expose ourselves to those things because they teach us a lot about ourselves. But what I really love is where you talked about the deep introspective questions that you can take people through that help people to really ponder what it is that they most value, what it is that's most important to them, what they really want. And then that somewhere in there is where they're able to discover that purpose. So that uh, that's pretty cool.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: How about uh, what is uh, the second phase in your process?
2: So phase two is to determine your plan. And Determine Your Plan is really just about, okay, we just came up with this really cool purpose. How are we going to make it a reality? A lot of times, you know, you're know, you going to get one or the other. We want to give you both. And so it's what's your why, but then what's your what? Ultimately, how are we going to make this into something really cool? And you know, the purpose is really almost like an abstract idea, quite frankly, Dan. It's, it's something that is a little pie in the sky. We want it to be. We want it to be something that's inspiring, that kind of shoots you out of bed in the morning. You know, mine is to to remind people that what they do matters. So I can do that whether I'm on a podcast like this or I'm having a coaching call with a client, or if I just happen to to, you know, have a spare moment with my Starbucks barista, I can do that. And it's kind of something that undergirds everything that you're doing. But if you want to make something a more formal plan, we gotta make it concrete. And so it's about moving the abstract into the concrete and saying, okay, what's your plan for doing this with where you're at? Dan running the podcast, running your region, doing what you're up to. How are you going to make this purpose a reality through the vehicles and the roles that you currently have in place, and then helping people kind of construct a plan to do that? A lot of the plans are big, too. You know, I, I had somebody come up, walk away saying that their purpose was to preserve Western civilization, <laughs> so then that was their dream. They feel really strongly about that. Well, that's probably a thirty to forty year journey for this person who's in their you know early twenties. So, what's step one? What's step two? What's step three? How are we going to really make this a reality? That's the question of, of phase two.
1: Something I thought about on developing your plan is the process of goal setting. Mm-hmm. And like, how do you weigh short-term goals versus long-term goals? How do you balance those things as you're working with your, your clients?
2: Yeah, a lot of it is breaking things down right by time-based goals. When you ask someone, okay, well, what would that look like? We might have a vision for you know, the long term. But then it's, okay, where would we need to be 5 years from now for this to be the case? Where would we need to be 3 years from now? Where would we need to be 1 year from now? And where would we need to be next quarter if we're going to be there? And so it's really breaking those things down. Generally speaking, especially with younger folks, it is kind of tough to make a plan beyond 3 to 5 years, I've found. So if you're listening to this, and, you're, and sometimes it's, it's hard for you to, to goal set beyond that, I think that's completely normal. If you're 20 years old and you're listening to this, 5 years is 25% of your life. So it's going to be a little tougher for you to think that far out. And so 1-3 to three years is great. 1 year is a really great starting point, quite frankly. But I like to also breaking it down into what I would call priorities. So we might break down a vision into goals. And those goals need to be you know fitting into priorities. And so the priorities are, okay, what's really important to you? A lot of times, it, it ends up being my business my personal life, and my health. right? And if people have families, then family. But generally, those 3 to 4 categories are where people need the most support. And then it's creating goals that fit into each one of those priorities that are relevant in the short term. I don't know. Is that helpful?
1: Yeah, that was good. That was good. I like, uh, I like hearing that, those elements of the planning aspect. How about number 3?
2: So phase three is to develop your skills. And this one's really important because obviously, if you have a plan, you can't execute it, then that's no good either. So what we talk about mostly in phase three is all about leadership, development. We talk about sales, influence, probably a lot of the things that, that your audience is interested in mastering. And just getting into the science and art of influence and really helping people understand what it is that actually drives someone to take action, that drives someone to transform, or drives someone to change. Because if we are here to make a difference in the world, we're going to have to have people on board. We're going to have to have the capacity to get people to see our point of view and to adopt our point of view. And so we need to understand how people think, we need to understand human psychology, and frankly, how people make decisions. And that obviously is also really useful in a sales context, it's also really useful in a leadership context. So, you know, just helping people develop those core competencies that are so important to sales and leadership.
1: What do you find to be the most universal skills that are necessary for success, regardless of what somebody does? What comes to mind when I ask you about that? Like, what are the most universal skills?
2: One is curiosity and listening. I think if you're trying to influence somebody, you first have to understand who you're trying to influence and being curious enough to ask the right questions, be curious enough to understand that person's point of view and that person's worldview. And I really think that so much of sales and leadership comes down to understanding our audience, understanding who we're selling to, whether we're selling a knife or a very nice set of knives or we're selling the idea of, of working hard and, and, and investing in yourself. And that comes down to being curious about who this person is, what matters to them, what's important to them, and currently where they are. Once we show that we understand people, then they're willing to listen. So there's that, that classic quote, right? People don't care how much you know until they know that you care, right? And it's as simple as that. So one thing I would say is curiosity. Mm. Um,
1: I think that curiosity, by the way, comes from a genuine care for others. Hmm. I've always said that one of the keys to being a good leader is this acronym I call Agas, GAS, A-G-A-S, which stands for actually give a shit. <laughs> and Absolutely. It's like the leaders who actually care about the people who they're working with are the ones who are the most curious, who do want to listen
0: because they want to get to know someone because they truly, genuinely care and they want to help people as best as they can.
2: Totally. Totally. I mean, that's great. I love that. I'm going to, I'm going to steal that if you don't mind. Uh, Actually give a shit. I I couldn't agree more. Yeah. It's really about just, do you care to ask the next question? Do you care? I feel like a lot of questions are begging another question. A lot of answers are begging another question. And there's a lot of subtext and things that are unsaid in people's answers where a lot of people just kind of look over it. And it's just an opportunity to say, Hey, hold up before we go any further. Can I ask you another question about that? And the leaders who do that, they show that they give a shit, uh, for lack of a better term. And that definitely is reflected in uh, who wants to follow them. So that's really good stuff.
1: Yeah. I want to circle back to the what are the most universal skills question, because we talked a little bit about influence and curiosity, listening. I think certainly influence is one of the most critical skills. You've got to be able to ultimately help people to take action on what it is that they want and what you're trying to, you know, have people accomplish if they're working for you, and that's a critical element of success is that influence. And I always feel like a big piece of influence is how you make people feel because you could command someone to do something, you could order someone to do something, and you know, and maybe they they do it because they're afraid any sort of uh, consequence if they don't follow what you're saying. But that doesn't—that's not long-term influence. Long-term influence is getting someone to want to do something. If you think about parenting, this is a classic example, right? You have a five-year-old and you can tell your kid to do something and they might do it, but if they don't want to do it, they're, they're not going to continue doing that in the future, right? We, we got to get people to want to do things. And so positive influence, positive framing when we're influencing is really key. How we make people feel when we're talking to them is really key. These are all elements of influence that I found to be important.
2: Absolutely. Can you inspire somebody to actually adopt a compelling vision for their lives? And if you're coaching somebody or you're working with somebody, one of the very first things you should be reading for, as you're talking to someone, is does this person have a compelling vision? Because a lot of times you sit across the desk from somebody, you're supposed to meet with them because it's on the calendar, and they say, "I'm want to sell five thousand this week," but they're not saying it with any vigor or any excitement or whatever. And instead of just assuming that that's the case, take a step back ask, okay, well, why is that? Even though it sounds exciting, you don't sound excited and be willing to to get them inspired by that. I love that.
1: Yeah. So we've, we've talked about discover your purpose and determine your plan, develop your skills. Uh, how about the fourth phase of your process?
2: Yeah. And th- honestly, this one's my favorite, you know, because I think that things are so complex, especially with everything that's going on right now. It's super important that we kind of cultivate our own wisdom and our own capacity to make decisions that are not just based on the the standard advice. And so deep in your wisdom is phase four. And you know it's really about how can I actually find the the richness of life underneath everything that's taking place. Yes, I need to check the boxes of my income, my security, I need to make sure I have a position that I'm that I'm comfortable in. I need to have some sort of status. I need to have some some sort of variety but I also want to actualize as a human. And what that really comes down to from my perspective is deepening your wisdom and learning how to let something roll off your shoulders, learning how to respond to somebody who's difficult, even if you might have all the reason in the world to be uh, justified in your resentment or your anger, how to kind of let go. How to discern when there's a crossroads, which path to take. So often, our success in life hinges upon these opportunities where you can go this direction or you can go that direction. And how do you know that this is the right choice for you? And I really like to zoom in and say, let's work in focusing on developing your wisdom, not just listening to good advice. I think there's a big difference between good advice and wisdom. And I think good advice is out there and it's readily available. And it's probably right 80% of the time. And that's awesome. But also, I do think that you reach a certain point in your development journey where you're really looking for counsel. You're really looking for things that are a little bit beyond just the standard, typical, conventional advice. And so deepening your wisdom is is phase four, and it's all about studying and learning how to do that.
0: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's flashback episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives, you can find the full episode and show notes at changinglivespodcast.com. You can also sign up there to receive free resources from me and some of our amazing guests. If you click on the deals link on our podcast page, you'll see some tremendous offers from our podcast sponsors. Please consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player and hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives.